you, um, you know, Jesus, you have good reason to celebrate today. You have good reason to feel the joy of the words that we sang. And if, uh, if you don't know Jesus, and today's the day where you feel you want to place your faith in him, I just invite you to see Mike myself afterwards. We want to pray for you. Uh, there is joy unspeakable in knowing him, in following him, in giving our lives to him. And so just that invitation um, off script, it's there. Please find us afterwards. We'd love, love to pray with you. Mike mentioned that we are in a prayer series and today is very much the second half of something that uh, we started last week. The premise last week, if you like, that, that, that I put uh, to, to you was that God wants to communicate with you if you're a child of his. Uh, a big part of prayer has to do with listening uh, hearing as a child from a parent what he has to say to us. Today is really just the application of that sermon. Uh, you know, we, we know he wants to talk to us, but what do we do? How does he do that? What does that look like? Um, in the context of your own individual prayer life, this is what we're going to be talking about. So we're not talking today about church. We're not talking about how God speaks to us through sermons through um, things we do here on a Sunday, which we really dealt with last week. How do I hear God speak to me in my own prayer life? And the Bible reading to go with that is only one verse this morning. We read in Mark, chapter 1, verse 35. Context for this, Jesus has been extremely busy. Uh, he's had one of the most harrowing weeks of his life. It was, it was nuts, the amount of preaching, the amount of people, the amount of meetings, the amount of ministry that he's done. And he spent a night in a place, and the following morning we read this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. We have no idea other than that he prayed what Jesus did there. <laughs> you know, he, he was by himself. Uh, we, we don't know what method of prayer did he use. What did he say? It, it, it's, it's a little bit you know, it's not unfortunate because we know everything we need to know, but we don't know. However, I'm willing to say this morning that a fair whack of what Jesus did while he was alone was listening to God. You know, he comes back in the Gospel of Mark from this encounter of prayer and he says to his disciples, we're off, we're going to the next spot. They had every reason to believe that they should stay there because things were really successful where they were. Ministry was busting, it was booming, it was going super well and Jesus says, nah, we're done here, we're going on. Something happened in that solitary place. He heard something, he received something from his heavenly Father that directed his steps, that put, it, put, it, uh, put them into a different direction. And the point I'm trying to make is, he, I think we can safely say there was listening involved in 
prayer at that solitary place. Here's the first point I'd like to make to us today. If, if we want to hear from God, we want to listen to him, you've got to find a solitary place. Jesus removed himself. He said, I've got to, I've got to step away from the rat race, the, the usual busyness, the, the, the chaos. Listening to God involves intentionally setting aside a time, a place, for the purpose of going to pray, including the aspect of listening to him. I have no idea what that might be for you. Maybe on your boat. Maybe in your shed. Maybe in your bedroom. Maybe next to your wood heater when everyone else is at school. Don't know. But I do know that we can learn from the life of Jesus that if we're going to hear from God, if we're going to cultivate this part of our, our prayer life, uh, time needs to be set aside to say, I'm going to intentionally go here at this time because I'm going to hear, I want to hear, I want to listen to what God has to say. Now, I don't have to plumb really deeply into the depths of how hard that is for busy people living in this day and age. It may call for drastic action. It may call for some serious rearranging of your schedule. But it will be worth it. It will be worth it. If we want to hear from God, we've got to set aside time, intentionally go to hear from him. By the way, I, you might ask the question, okay, how often do I do this? I, I can't prescribe details here. Very interesting, though, to note that Jesus didn't do this kind of praying every other day. Make no mistake, he prayed every day. He said every single day of his life, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He did devotions every day. He prayed with other people every single day. But this kind of thing wasn't every day. From time to time, Jesus seems to have engaged in this kind of prayer where he either climbed a mountain or he went off to a solitary place for the specific purpose, it seems, removing himself to here. Spend that kind of time with God. What it may be for you, don't know. Maybe you try and do this kind of thing once a month, once a fortnight, once every three months. I'm not going to prescribe it. All I will flag today is the principle. If we want to hear from God, we've got to intentionally spend time with him for that purpose. But okay, let's say you've done that. You've uh, set aside that time. You are in your solitary place. You've managed to get it done. What do I do? <laughs> what do I say? What do I actually do with that, that time? If, if you're a new Christian, you know, that's definitely a question that you could be asking. What? What do I say to God? How do I 
how do I listen to God? If, even if you've been a Christian for a long time, but this is certainly not really a part of, of prayer that you've engaged in, even you may ask, practically, what, give me something, you know, what, what should I do? And I really wrestled with, should I, shouldn't I? And I thought in the end, in designing this series, look, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give you today, very practically, two types of methods that godly people over history have used uh, for this purpose. Help them to hear from God. I say two types of methods. I just want to put out a couple of disclaimers before I share them to you. These, what I'm going to share with you, are not the inspired words of Jesus. Okay? This is not, don't walk away from me and saying, God said to me, this is how I should pray. Uh, these are suggestions. These are things that people have used that have helped them over the centuries, as you'll discover, to do this well. And we can listen to them. But be mindful of uh, this does not carry the weight of me standing and saying, this is what Jesus is saying to us today. Okay? I caveat what I'm going to say here with that. Um, and then I can go straight in. I'm calling these two methods. The one is... Uh, freehand, the other one is tracing or connecting dot to dot, and that's borrowed from the, the artist world, of which I know nothing. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, you get the picture, freehand, you've got a sheet in front of you, people draw and they draw pictures and tracing, there's some structure there, there's, there's a bit of, um, bit of a framework, you've just got to fill in the details. Okay. Freehand method, she doesn't call it this, but it is her method. It's a lady called Sherry Harney. She writes a book. I've shared bits and pieces of this to you already. Sherry is going to speak to all the Reformed Church pastors with her husband very shortly, in a couple of months. And um, she says when she goes out on conferences, people often ask her, well, how do I hear God speak to me? This exact question. And here's what she advises them to do. This is her, her method, if you like, which is a bit freehand-ish. All right, you ready? Here's what we do. Sherry says, sit, kneel, stand, lie down, walk in a quiet setting, do whatever it is, go to wherever your solitary place is. Get there. Two, invite God to speak. It's not that God needs an invitation to speak, but it's simply saying, God, my desire today, my purpose for being here is I want to hear from you. This is why I'm here. And then you kind of, and this is where it might get challenging for some people, kind of wait, see what comes up in your thoughts, in your head. You may have been, now let's run with a hypothetical here, overcommitted in your life for the past month leading up to your prayer time. Maybe you've been losing your temper so many times with your kids, you're arguing, you're fighting with your spouse all the time and the thought that pops up into your head after a while of quiet reflection is I need to change my lifestyle. I'm overcommitted. This can't go on. I need to slow down. I need to pull out of some stuff. I need to realign my priorities and I need to make major changes. You know, that may be Let's assume, as an example, that's what pops up into your head. The next thing Sherry then says, you know, you've got to identify the source. Whatever comes to mind as you 
do this comes from one of three places. We spoke about this last week. You know, either Satan's giving you a thought, or it's yourself thinking it, or it's the Holy Spirit that places it there. Your job, somewhat tricky sometimes, is to identify where does this come from? <laughs> Who's placed this thought into my mind? You probably have reason to believe, if we roll with that analogy, that maybe this could be from God. Sounds like it could be from God. That I realign my priorities for him. First of all, for my spouse, my children. How can you be sure? Well, you go to the next thing. Test against scripture. What does God say about this? Maybe you remember the verse that we prayed about this morning. <laughs> maybe that... Maybe that comes to mind. Maybe you're thinking, hey, maybe I am trying to serve two masters. Maybe I'm trying to live a life here that's pulling in different directions. Maybe it fits with what is in God's word, not only in one verse, but in fact in all of God's word. Take note of God's peace or God's absence thereof. Obviously, in this example, you're not experiencing much of God's peace you're fighting with your wife all the time and losing your temper with your kids all the time, uh, there's, there's an absence of it. Maybe a promise of peace once the changes are made. If you're still not sure about whether, you know, what you're thinking is, is, is right, seek wisdom in God's community. Now, maybe you walk away from that prayer encounter and you say, I've got Christian friends who love Jesus, who know the word of God, I just want to share with them what I'm thinking God's saying to me. What changes I think I'm going to make to my life in order to align uh, my life with, with God's intention, his design for me. And finally, submit and obey. Do it. <laughs> Go and carry it out. Don't ignore it. There's no point in hearing from God if we don't do what he says, is, is the bottom line. That is a positive example of using this method. Now, I'm going to give you a negative one. Let's say at step two, between step two and three, you thought to yourself, or thought came up into your head, I really deserve better. You know, my kids, my wife, they don't understand me. They don't understand the goals that I'm setting, the career goals that I'm pursuing. Maybe I just need to distance myself a bit from them. Tested against scripture. God will give me the desire of my heart. Surely this, this is what God wants from me. You may even have some sense of peace. If you choose to, you can surround yourself with Christian community who's going to tell you what you want to hear. Who's not going to tell you the truth of God's word. And you're going to carry out a foolish action. Why do I share the negative example with you? Because there are great cons to this prayer method. Huge cons. This assumes that you have a sound, healthy, thorough knowledge of what God has said in the dictionary. Remember last week we said scripture is the boss. God will never tell us anything that isn't consistent in what's in here. the most unspeakable abuse has taken place because people said, 
God spoke to me. And it wasn't what was in here. The witness to the church, to loved ones, to family, to the wider world, over the history of the church have been damaged incredibly because people did this. Jesus says, and this is how serious this is, church, if anyone would cause any one of these little ones, he said once, to stumble and to not come to put their faith in me, it's better for that person to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone around his neck. I always thought a millstone was something small you grind flour with, and then I did a bit of research on a millstone in Jesus' day was, was enormous. <laughs> he, was, he was going far out to say, this is serious. It's not a trifling matter to say that God spoke to me and this is what he said. If, if you're going to do that, you've got to make sure it's right. It's critical. Second con of this method. Uh, it limits you a little bit, I think, in practice to your own experience of what goes on in your relational network, in your life at that time, in your head, in your heart. Let's be honest, you know, you know God can place any thought in your head in this process, but it's usually going to be stemming from what has happened to you recently. Books you've read, stuff that goes on at work, in your relationship, it's kind of going to centre around that. Now, that's also, by the way, the greatest pro of this method because it takes what happens to us and brings it to God and say to God, speak into this. Reveal to me what, what I need to do here. However, if that's all we ever do, your prayers are only ever going to centre around what happens to you. Your little world, your little uh, kingdom. And so it becomes quite limiting. Okay, that's the first method, freehand. You know, you kind of start out with a, your prayer session, wherever you are, with a blank page, and you kind of don't know what's going to happen. You can see what happens as you walk through those steps. I'll give you the second one. Tracing. I don't actually have to tell you much about this one because you have been practicing it for the last four weeks if you go to church here. Surprisingly, this comes from Martin Luther. Martin Luther, I won't bore you with history, but he lived some five, six, five hundred years ago. He's, the way God's used him is in large part the reason why we're here today in this church, hearing this sermon. Uh, he's, he's old school, but this was a method of prayer that he used. He said, you take a piece of scripture, any piece of scripture. If you're a young Christian, if you're a new Christian, if you've only just been in church, you might say, how do I choose those scriptures? Range of ways. We had an excellent discussion at a youth group, small group, during last week. You know, sometimes your Bibles have, uh, in the back, they've got these dictionaries where they have words, where they tell you, you know, if you're wondering about love, about lust, about money, about faith, about anything, and it give you many suggestions of what scripture verses you can think about on that topic. You can do that. Get those scripture verses and follow this method as you read those verses. If you're a mature Christian, move on to some heavier stuff. Try the Sermon on the Mount if you want to have a life-changing experience that Jesus preached in Matthew 5-7. to Get your little scripture piece or your big scripture piece and Simply say this, you know, what truth is it telling you? 
That moment, as you read that, and as you think about what that truth is, that's what God says to you that day. That's what he's speaking to you. Thank God or praise God for that truth. We've been there this morning. There's something to praise and thank God for in everything in the Bible. Confess any sins or struggles in your life that comes up and ask God to help you. Ask him for his help for you, for someone else. Bring those requests before him. And then here's the catch, not a catch. But in addition to Martin Luther's method that we're not doing as a whole church, he said, if on any of those stages the Holy Spirit interrupts your thoughts, stop and go with him. The risk with this method, and that's its con, is that this becomes an academic exercise. We just answer questions. And it never moves from our heads to our hearts. Remember prayer we said on the first week, J.I. Packer told us, prayer is meant to be an encounter with the risen Jesus. This is meant to lead you into an encounter with the risen Jesus when you, when you pray this through his spirit who lives in you. And so if you work with, you can't serve two masters, you know, if, if, if you read that and you feel on, on the confession thing so cut up and broken about the way that you've lived your life and you need to cry, cry, break down in tears and see God's repentance. If you in any, dealing with that same verse, if God gives you a thought to be generous towards someone, he gives you a name, go and do it. Do what you receive. He may do that. If you are thanking and praising God and you're so moved by what you're thanking him and praising him for and there's a song that comes up in your heart, sing it. <laughs> sing to your loving Heavenly Father. The point of this whole thing is that this is a relationship. <laughs> We're not doing an academic exercise. We're stepping into a conversation with our loving Heavenly Father and He wants to speak to us. And That is where this needs to lead us. Of course it's not going to happen every time you do this. But the hope is that it happens at least sometimes. Pros and cons. I've already given you a con of this method. Um, could be just an academic exercise forever. That is a, a, a risk. Uh, pros, this is going to get you into listening to God on topics that are so vastly beyond your world. This is going to take you into the, the world of God. There's enough stuff in the Bible to pray about for the rest of your life and you have no idea how it's going to transport your prayer life into the glory, the grandeur, the majesty of what God is up to and your place in that and how he wants to use you in that, it's rich, incredibly, incredibly rich. It's a huge pro of praying this way. Okay, let me move to, to a close by answering one more question, then I'll wrap up. You're asking yourself the question, which one of these two should I do? Here's my recommendation. You're a new Christian, tracing all the way. Your greatest priority is to come to experience God through how he's revealed himself in his word. Experience God 
through how he's revealed himself in his word. Build your knowledge, your understanding of the scriptures. That's where the carrots are at. You know, if you build that, you, you, you enhance your ability to, to know and understand and test the scriptures. Do that all the time for a long time in your life. If you're a mature Christian or a half-mature Christian or whatever, majority of your prayer time, trace. We'll never exhaust what God has to show us and reveal to us in the Scriptures. Why share the other method then at all? Because you might say, you're pretty negative about this other method. Why are you even giving it to us today then? I'll tell you what, I had to ask myself that question a bit this week. And I came close to not putting it in this application. But I thought to put it in, and here's why. Many of you here, myself included, may have grown up what I'll call a conservative Christian background. And traditionally, our culture is know your Bible, learn the scriptures. Know your Bible, know your Bible, know your Bible. And we know our Bible so well. The deep irony is that you, out of all people, are best placed to pray freehand because you know the scriptures. You can test them. You can hear, you can, you can work with this better than anyone else. Why then include it? You know, I believe that there is a place that God wants to speak to us sometimes in our lives, not necessarily in front of an open Bible. God invites us to bring our circumstances, bring our relationships, bring what's happening to us to him in prayer. He can, and he wants to, at times, speak to us in a different way. A way, perhaps, that we are not overly familiar with. A way, perhaps, that we're even a bit scared of. And I think Sherry Harney knows that and encourages us. You're a mature Christian. Maybe have a crack at it. See what God does. You know, only a mature artist can draw freehand. If you're a mature Christian, see what happens. All right, let me wrap up. You may hear this, all of this, and say, <laughs> I'm super overwhelmed. I hear this whole prayer series. I hear this aspect of listening to God. And I'm saying to myself, wow, wow, I'm nowhere near that. I go to conferences quite often. I read a lot of books and the amount of times you walk away from a conference or you've read a book and you go, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm not even going to start. This is really for the pros. This is really for those who know what they're doing. I want to say two things to you, if that's you today. Two things you must bear in mind. First one, we said last week, Growing your ability to listen to God is not your responsibility first and foremost. You're a child of Jesus. It's parents' responsibilities to train, to teach their children. You live in him, your salvation is complete in Christ, and the journey of learning how to listen to him, how to recognize his voice, how to let him speak to you, that, that's, that's in his hands. 
You just do what a good child does. Say, yes, Dad, I'm, I'm keen to learn. And he'll do the rest. Leave it to him. Okay? But take away guilt or a sense of feeling overwhelmed that paralyzes you. Secondly, and I'll finish with this, I'll give you an illustration. <laughs> I, I started out my life with these two tools. I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in a, in a family where hands-on work was done. You know, my dad had no tools, nothing. He was a, he was a pencil pusher, there was nothing. And it's just not what I did. I didn't, didn't learn how to work with my hands, couldn't do anything. And when we got married, these were the two tools that I had. Uh, <laughs> Donna grew up in a family where the men did most things, and it was awfully embarrassing, really, uh, <laughs> to fix stuff and to do stuff. But, you know, I looked at life and I thought, there is so much you need in terms of tools if you want to be an accomplished well, if you want to be a tradesman, but if you just want to be a hands-on kind of guy who can do stuff around the house, if you want to do your own renovations, uh, you need a heck of a lot of stuff. In fact, those are pictures from my shed of stuff that I have now acquired. My little hammer and screwdriver have grown to not a whole heap of stuff, but I can do a lot more now than what I could do 15 years ago. If you were to say to me 15 years ago that you are going to renovate a bathroom. You are going to lay some tiles. You are going to do a lot of stuff. I would have simply been overwhelmed and said, no. I won't even start. I won't even make a start because I need all that stuff. It's so much. It's so much money. It's so much effort. It's so much begging people to give me hand-me-downs and stuff. I'm not even going to start. This is not me. It's not what I do. It's for someone else. It's for tradesmen. It's for others. It's, it's, it's not mine. I put it to you that you can do that with your prayer life. You can be so overwhelmed that you say, that's for someone else. It's not for me to hear God speak to me. It is. You know what I did? This is 15 years worth of collection. Every time I needed to do a job, I just bought one tool. It's almost like just one tool a year. And I said to myself, I'm not going to worry about this and collecting this kind of arsenal of tools. The only thing I'm going to worry about is add one more. Just add one more. Do the same with your prayer life. This year, just add one more tool, one more thing that you're trying to enhance your ability to, to hear your loving Heavenly Father speak to you. If you're 17 or 15 here today, if you add one more prayer tool to your prayer toolbox every year, imagine when you're 50. Imagine your relationship with God that you're going to end up with. And so, church, the encounter is, or my encouragement rather, is that we just do that. Just take a simple prayer method and pray it as often as you can this year and make a start. Hopefully, Hopefully, next year you add something else. Place that tool in the hands of your loving Heavenly Father. Let Him show you how to use it. He will, because He loves you. And voila, we'll all be hearing God crystal clear. Let's pray. 
Now, Father, we, we want to hear from you. We know that you love us. We know that you want to speak to us. And on that note, I just want to pray for each and every single person here today. For those who don't know you, I pray that they'd come to know you, that you'd reveal yourself to them. For those of us who think that prayer is not for me, it's for someone else, move us this year to add one more tool to our prayer toolbox. For those of us who have grown greatly, Father, in hearing you, who are very mature in our prayer lives, move us to encourage others, teach us to teach others. And we pray that by God's grace, we will be a bunch of children who talk to you a lot and who hear you a lot. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.